0: Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Career Services Assistant Director, Travis
1: Klein.
2: And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show
1: is Dr. Sue Milikangas. I'm a professor in the School of Health Science and Wellness. I teach therapeutic recreation, parks and recreation management, and I'm also in charge of the Aging Studies minor. Welcome.
2: (laughs) We're very excited to have you on the podcast. All right. So tell us how you got to be a professor who works with these types of things.
1: Oh, my word.
2: That's a long story, probably windy, but I'm ready to hear it.
1: It's a little long I never thought I would be doing a professor. I never, it was not in my plans when I went to undergraduate, nothing. I was really lucky to even get into college because when I was in high school, nobody told me anything about college. And my dad had gone to college. He has a had a bachelor's degree in engineering, but it was never presented to me as an option. No counselors, no parents, nobody. It was actually a camp counselor who challenged me with the thought of possibly going to school. And I was like, well, that would be kind of fun. So I ended up going to undergrad in two different places. I went to Adams State, which is down in Southern Colorado. I thought I was going to be a special ed teacher and realized very quickly that I wanted to work with people with disabilities. I did not want to teach English and math. That is not my strong suit. So, I transferred schools to what is now Colorado State University of Pueblo, but at the time when I went, when the dinosaurs were on the planet, it was University of Southern Colorado. I transferred there, and that's where I found therapeutic recreation. The fun part about this is it was therapeutic recreation as a profession was just getting started. So I am considered one of those pioneers in the discipline because I was one of those first crazy people to step into it. At the University of Southern Colorado, they did not have a therapeutic major. So I literally took anatomy and phys, all those psych classes and everything I needed to take as electives. And everybody thought it was nuts taking anatomy and physiology as an elective. But I ended up doing that, and then eventually when the national credentialing came out, I had to do some correspondence courses with Eastern Washington University to be eligible to sit for the national exam, which I passed. So I have been a certified, nationally certified therapeutic rec specialist for a long time. Let's just put it that way. And then I got out of undergrad, worked for the city of Aurora. I grew up in Colorado. So all of this is in Colorado. City of Aurora, Parks and Recreation. I did therapeutic rec and I did outdoor rec for a while. And then I decided I was gonna go back to college to be a counselor because the ultimate goal was to be a camp director for a camp for kids with disabilities. So I thought counseling would be a good major, grad major. So I went back to Adams State for graduate studies. I lasted a semester and two weeks. We did have to do practice counseling where you audiotaped it and then your professor listened to it. He matched me up with a gentleman who was 55 years old and who was working in the Rockma mushroom growers business that was down there. And I'm sitting across from this man who's telling me he's dying of mushroom growers lung, which is a fungus that gets into the lungs and there's nothing they can do to treat it. And I all of a sudden realized at my ripe old age of 22 that I had no business being out in the world as a counselor because I had not even experienced life yet. So I dropped out and I went back to work for Aurora Parks and Rec and I did therapeutic rec. I did therapeutic rec for 14 years and I blew out my knee playing with the children one day. And so while I was on crutches, I had some really good reflective time, and I was stuck in the career I was at. I was not going to ever go up my until my boss retired. And literally, that just happened like three years ago. So I was never going to go up. So I had to make a shift. So I moved from community parks and rec into a clinical therapeutic role at a 162-bed long-term care facility. And I absolutely fell in love with old people. I mean, it just was hands down the coolest job. And so can you you pause there for a
2: moment? Can you kind of explain when you talk about therapeutic rec in that community setting, can you kind of explain what that is? And then when you say clinical, maybe explain what that is.
1: So therapeutic recreation is using recreation to help people either rehabilitate, which is get better from something wrong or habilitate which is don't lose the functioning you've got. Stay as strong as possible. Depending on which setting, a community setting or a clinical setting, depends on actually who you're going to work with. Clinical settings are generally mental health facilities, rehab facilities, things like that, where you're going to be dealing with a lot of spinal cord injuries, traumatic brain injuries, those kind of things. Aging falls into clinical because you're in a nursing home, which has more regulations than nuclear war does. So that falls into clinical. But the community was where I really loved it because I was working with community members with disabilities who would want to take parks and recreation programs. And I was the one facilitating all of that. So we would do things like bowling. They love to go bowling. Bowling, movies, different kinds of arts and crafts and that kind of stuff. I worked with the same group of kids for kids and adults for 14 years before I finally transferred out. And we had such a close bond, I was able to take them to an amusement park wow. and get through an amusement park together, which was, hands down, I would never have done if I didn't know these kids as well as I did. So, yeah, so I was in community and community focuses on groups. We tend to have a lot of, in the community, you tend to have a lot of intellectual disabilities, developmental disabilities, so things like Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, intellectual disabilities, that kind of stuff, and it's more focused on the social-emotional skill level than it is on any kind of physical rehabilitation or something like that in a clinical setting, you are literally working on trying to get that person functionally better to get out of the facility and go. So when I did community, it was social behavioral stuff. And then when I moved into long-term care, it was habilitation, trying to keep people as functioning for as long as possible. Absolutely fell in love with it. Both sides of the coin. I miss my, my kids all the time who I worked with. I think they were wonderful. So When I work with students here in therapeutic rec, the first question we have to answer is, what type of participants do you wanna work with? So I always send them to Camp Wonderland down in Lake of the Ozarks. And that camp is a summer camp that pays them and houses them and feeds them. And they get to work with kids and adults of every disability you could possibly imagine. So hearing, sight, CP, intellectual disabilities. They've even got prader Willie, which is where the switch in your brain doesn't turn off for being hungry. Those kids will eat everything. They'll eat toothpaste. So that is the kind of defining moment for my students. So that when I go down for the visit, I ask them, okay, who do you like to work with? Who don't you like to work with? And that tells me whether we're headed for a community setting or we're headed for a clinical setting. One girl that I worked with two years ago. She went down, I pushed her to go down there because she couldn't figure out what she wanted to do with the world. And she went down there. And when I went for my visit, she was smiling from ear to ear. And she says, I definitely want to work with kids with Down syndrome and cerebral palsy and intellectual. Well, that told me you're going to go community because those kids are not in a clinical setting. And I visited another one who told me she really liked working with nonverbal kids. And that is a clinic. So yeah, so anyway, go back to how I got here. So I went and did that. I worked in the nursing home, fell in love with the old people. Then I went to live in the San Luis Valley in southern Colorado, and I worked in a baby carrot processing plant. So I could tell you all about how the baby carrots are made. And then I was a shipping dispatcher. And then I couldn't, there were no jobs. So I had to do something. So I decided to go back to graduate school, went to University of Northern Colorado in Greeley for my master's in gerontology, which is the social emotional behavioral side of gerontology uh, management administration. I thought it was gonna be a nursing home director. Is really what I thought I was gonna do. Well, I had no money to pay for grad school. I had no idea how I was gonna do this. I just knew I wanted to do it. So they let me teach an introduction to therapeutic rec class to pay my tuition. So I did that. The first class I had had 13 students in it. The second class had 40 students in it. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me that, hey, maybe I'm okay at this teaching thing. What do I have to do with this? And they were like, oh, you just have to go to doctoral school. I'm like, okay. So I graduated from UNC and immediately went to Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. I worked Full time at the Center on Aging and Aged, and put online programs together and things like that, and then went to school full time. I was dead. That was the death years of my life. Graduated there and was looking for a job, and I graduated in kind of a gap of hiring. So, usually, faculty at universities are hired by the end of February, beginning of March. They're all, all the jobs are taken. Well, I was getting done in March and I was like I missed the boat so I was on a short list for a job in New Zealand in rec therapy or in Maryville so Maryville pulled me in and they actually created the job for me which was really nice they hired two of us that time and uh, that was 18 years ago I'm still here I'm still kicking (laughs) doing my stuff When I was an undergrad, there was no thought whatsoever of being a professor at all, and I just love it. I just, the teaching part is the part I love the most. I like to be creative, and I like to get kids excited, students excited about learning. Unless you provide context for them, you're just talking at them. And so I like to teach with a lot of stories and video clips and things like that so that students have a context to apply things to that we're talking in class so that lets me be creative so that's how i ended up at northwest
2: (laughs) that's a great story
0: absolutely (laughs) a great story yeah
2: i
1: went from baby carrots to clean to here
2: i might have a few questions about baby carrots for after this interview (laughs) you know actually i'm thinking i had no idea as an undergrad that therapeutic rec was a major or a job or anything, but it sounds like it's right up my alley simply because, and I tell students this very similar to your, what type of population do you want to work with? What type of tasks every day do you like to do? And I like being out and about and doing things, right? So that seems like a very out and about and doing things kind of work.
1: When the students come see me and they're lost, I am like a beacon on campus. All these kids grab their friends that are lost and they're like, go talk to Dr. she'll help you. So I get all these poor little lost children into my office. And the very first question I ask them to go think about is, if you woke up this morning and money didn't matter, your parents' opinions didn't matter, And the title didn't matter. What would you do with your day? You can't watch TV all day. You can't sleep all day and you can't play video games all day. What would you do that would make you happy? And that one question then starts to get them to think about, oh, this is not about the money and the title. It's more about what do I like? And so if they're still struggling, then we go, do you like to be outdoors? Do you like to be indoors? Do you like to work individually? Do you like to work with small groups, big groups? And by the time we start whittling it down, we can get to a place where they kind of say, okay, I think this is where I need to go and jump in. I've had a lot of kids too, Hannah and Travis, that they think they wanna do one thing. One student of mine that I'm thinking about right now is graduate of mine. She was up in marine biology, and she was studying marine biology because she likes to scuba dive. Okay, marine biology is like the fish, and and really, what do you do with the fish, and how do you raise the fish, and I don't think that's what she had in mind. And so she was failing all these classes, and her friend dragged her down to me, and I asked her that question, what would you do with your day? And she said, scuba dive, and I said, you could do that with Parks and Rec. And she's like, really? And I said, yeah, they have underwater parks for scuba divers. And she's like, blown away. So she transferred majors, came over here, absolutely fell in love with it, and now is actually working at Maryville Community Center as a programmer for our community parks and rec. So, yeah, kids don't know what we do. And the field of recreation, I know when I told my parents I was going to do parks and rec. My dad literally left me a note on my pillow one night and says, why don't you get a real major? And I'm like, this is a real major. And he didn't understand. And it it made me so proud when I got a PhD in this because it's like, "See, yeah, I told you. So for those people that are struggling to understand what Parks and Recreation Management is, it's a business degree. We're in the business of people's leisure and recreation. So when you go to Disneyland, and you pay a bazillion dollars to get in the door, somebody had to organize the cleaners and the lines and get everything pulled together so that you could go in the door and turn your brain off and just have a good time. That's us. So we're the ones that make sure there's toilet paper and soap and the room's clean and all of that. That's, that's us. And, Mm -hmm. When you mention recreation everybody just thinks you're kickball and birthday parties and we're a whole lot more
2: that explains so much to me because one of my best we had one of your students a graduate student who was in therapeutic rec she was one of our best ga's that i've had and so that makes a lot of sense because we do lots of those similar i mean our job our work is a lot of very similar things
1: yep it is really business is really what it is so these kids are learning budgeting They're learning marketing. They're learning how to manage time over great, big, huge projects. Because like right now it's spring, those guys sitting over in the parks and rec are programming for fall right now while they're running spring programs. So the students learn to juggle a lot.
0: Well, I would think it'd be a good major for folks that want to be in a helping profession. Like, you know, I know I want to help, you know, maybe that's being a special ed teacher. Maybe that's psychology, but therapeutic rec is is more doing too. If you like more hands on, less theoretical, it seems yep. like that's a good fit to me. Of like, it's the scratching the same itch of helping people, but you're directly helping them like right. every day.
1: And what's so what's so fun about it, Travis, is that we're holistic. Therapeutic recreation is holistic health. So I always explain to the students that are in my aging programs and some of my TR classes that. If you walk into a nursing home, tell me which professional in that nursing home looks at the whole person, the whole resident. So dietary looks at nutrition, pastoral care looks at spiritual, nurses and doctors look at physical, social workers look at family and connections to the outside world. There is not one professional in there that looks at the whole person. The recreation therapist looks at the whole person. And that makes us really good therapists. So we've got a lot of students that are studying therapeutic rec to go on to occupational therapy graduate school. in the occupational therapy, so they can go through the bio psych and take all the science classes up the hill, but they can also come through therapeutic rec. And we help them look at the whole person, not just the mechanical parts of the person and we have a 98 percent placement rate on our undergrads getting into doctoral pro doctoral ot programs on the first try we have hundred percent success on everybody has gotten in that's wanted to get in some of them may have had to wait one year but they've all gotten in and they let the doctoral programs love our kids because they're bringing in an arsenal of resources for the recreation therapy that they can then use with their occupational work.
2: That's interesting. Can you maybe speak a little bit to, I don't know if I want to call it the rigor. So on the undergraduate side, specifically therapeutic rec, they have to have that internship piece, right? Can you talk to us about what that internship is for them and what that entails?
1: So in the parks and rec degree in general, all of our tracks, so we've got the corporate recreation and wellness, we've got parks and rec management, therapeutic rec, and recreational sport management. Those are all the tracks we do. Every one of our students does both a field experience, which is 150 hours of work spread over eight weeks, so about 20 hours a week, so that they can get a little taste of what goes on in the workplace that field experience is the last opportunity they really have before they jump into the world to experiment. So if they think they might like working with old people or they think they might want to do head injuries or whatever, we push them to try to do that for your field experience. Go see if you like it. Now's the time to go figure it out. And if they come back and they go, no, that's not what I wanted, well, then we know now. And then the internship, and that's field experience usually done at the end of their sophomore year, in the summer. And then the internship varies. Therapeutic recreation students have to do more hours than our regular parks and rec management kids do. That's because of national credentialing. So national credentialing for therapeutic rec is a 560-hour internship, full-time for 14 weeks. And it has the kicker is it has to be supervised by somebody who is already a certified therapeutic rec specialist. So our network becomes vital for us to keep going so that we can place these students for those internships. The other thing is that we have to have academics on the academic side who are certified to be able to do the internships. So Northwest, we've got two of us that are certified, Dr. Bateman and I, so we can push the kids out. The other Parks and Rec kids have to do 450 hours. Sorry, 450 hours over nine weeks, and they are 12 weeks. They can do it anywhere that relates to what what they're doing. So let's take our sport management, recreational sport management. We had two kids go do field experiences last summer. One with the Kansas City Royals. One with the St. Joe Mustangs. We have an internship. A girl went to the Washington Nationals Major League Baseball team, did her internship, and they hired her. So she's now working with the Washington Nationals. We've got kids that have done that sports side that actually have worked now in the Kansas City Chiefs football equipment room. They are an equipment manager to make sure all the equipment gets from place to place and is where it needs to be we've got kids that have gone through the park side that want to be park rangers so one of our students like I said I've been here 18 years so this is a while ago one of our students Derek went through our program did an internship got hired by the state of Colorado stayed in the state parks in Colorado and just about I guess about three years ago He was given his own park. He is now the head ranger at 11 Mile Reservoir in Colorado. And he supervises all of the other rangers and everything that goes on in that park. He goes out and looks for mountain lions and all the fun little things that are there. And so, yeah, we've got kids all over the place. We've got one of our graduate students is now the head education person for the Missouri Department of Conservation. And she runs all of the... Learn how to kayak, learn how to hunt morel mushrooms, all that kind of stuff. She's down there. We also have one student. Sorry, I'm just getting excited. You Look just get going. Yeah, we, we love it. Yeah, they're all at. I've got one student who wanted to work in a zoo. A couple of them have wanted to work in a zoo, so they've done their internship at the Harry Dorley Zoo. And people forget that zoos are zoological parks. It fits in the recreation department so cole went off and did his internship at the harry dorley zoo they loved him so much he got hired to be a caretaker for all the hoofed animals at the zoo i think he spent like four or five years there and then got sucked up by a zoo in tennessee and he sent me a video all my kids we stay together we stay contacted he sent me a video of him Playing with a baby bear cat on a table. <laughs> and uh, he said, I thought you'd like this. So it was kind of cool. <laughs> but yeah, our kids are doing absolutely amazing things. Jessica was another one that went through. I took her on the Colorado class, the Exploring Rec Resources class, and she got hooked on high adventure outdoor craziness. Came, I had to apologize to her parents when I dropped her off. I'm like, sorry, I did this to your child. But she loved it so much that she went and did an internship with the military, with the Army. And she did the is it morale, welfare, recreation, or whatever they've got for the military. And she got hired on to run all the outdoor, wild, and crazy adventure programs hmm. for the military. Yeah, our kids are doing amazing things with this degree. People just don't know what we are. That's
2: crazy. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that class? The class? <laughs>
1: So the Exploring Rec Resources class, I'm sorry to like pop your bubble. I'm not teaching it anymore. Oh, I just turned 62 and it's a little hard to sleep on floors anymore. A little tough. So that class went for 14 years. It's available if any of my colleagues want to pick it up. I did 14 years and what happened was we realized really quickly that our students at Northwest didn't really have a good understanding of what recreation is. And so Colorado is the recreation mecca of the world, right? So I grew up in Colorado. I had lots of contacts in Colorado. I worked in Colorado. So I started cashing in on some of those contacts. So we put together a two week class that was like having 40 field trips in two weeks. And so we would travel out there. We put 2,300 miles on the vans in two weeks. Um, It was not a vacation. Everyone on campus was like, oh, I hope you enjoyed your vacation. It was like, I had 10 kids with me. It's not a big issue. And we would go from like 6 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock at night, solid. We'd just be running. I created a format. I just did a presentation for teaching and learning about how I pulled all this together for other faculty to do. I took the core concepts of what the students learn in their core recreation classes, so budgeting, evaluations, assessments, that kind of stuff history. I took those core things, and I found sites in the trip that would immerse the kids into those topics. And so, for example, I always took them to Red Rocks Amphitheater. So Red Rocks Amphitheater was built by the Civilian Conservation Corps. The students learn about the Civilian Conservation Corps in Foundations of Rec class because all of our park systems were built during the Great Depression when FDR got the guys to do the conservation stuff and he would pay them and they'd send money back and that's how he got the economy going back again. Red Rocks Amphitheater was built by the Civilian Conservation Corps. They built it all by hand. And so the students get a chance to actually go and see it. And then they're always blown away because Red Rocks Amphitheater is a park and it's run by Denver Parks and Recreation. And so being able to link those concepts together for them actually showed them that what they're learning in class is really real. It's really real. We're not just standing here telling you things. One of my favorite ones, this is my favorite one of all, is besides the John Denver Sanctuary, John Denver was my dude. They have a challenge course that just got built in Castle Rock, which is south of Denver. It's a three level, what do you call the, the different sides? Octagons, where there's multiple sides that stick out. Well, it's like that shape, three on top of each other, and every layer is different intensity of challenges. So the bottom is fairly easy, the next one's harder, the top is crazy, right? So. I take the students, they think they're just going to go play. i put them on there and they go do their thing and they get all harnessed up and they learn about safety and risk management and all of that that we talk about in classes. But then they go and they do as much as they can. They can quit anytime. And so we've got students every time that some will make it all the way to the top and walk across the epic sign on the top. Some will end at the bottom layer. And so when they get done, we debrief that activity, and that is the theory of flow. And the theory of flow is how we program recreation experiences, not activities. And so they have to know that when they plan a program, it's based on the challenges of the activity and the skill level of the people. They need to make sure they balance it right so they don't get anxious or they don't get bored because then they're not coming back. So instead of just talking about a theory, they lived a theory.
2: That's amazing. That also might be some future conversations. <laughs> it was a
1: fun, it was a fun class. It, just, it got really expensive. So we were having a crash on church floors and camp outdoors and tents, which was cool. We had a couple run-ins with bears and things, but it was cool. Some of the recreation students had never camped outside. So this was like their first exposure to any of that. So to have a bear come through camp, yeah, that was a little much, but we made it.
0: So what are some of the skills that that you like for your students to have to be successful? I mean, I I, I can think of several like that probably count, but what are the ones you really look for, for those students, like the ones you named off who are doing these amazing things? Like right. what was it that they had that really made them be able to do these awesome things?
1: I think what it is, is number one, you got to have passion. You got to really like what you're going to go into and do. And by the time you kind of figure out what recreation is, it starts to get really fun and exciting. And you're like, yeah, I like this. Stuff. The fact that you get to play along with the participants after you build all of these programs, that's the fun part about rec. It's only about 2% of your job. But when you get to go river rafting with them, and you get to do what they're doing, it's kind of fun. So passion is one time management is huge. And so kids, you probably already heard up there in that office that my recreation programming class, kids like dread taking that class because they've heard it's really hard. It is not hard, it's all about time management. And so they have a great big project that they cannot do the night before it's due. They have got to do it step by step. And so that's the class that tries to get them to start thinking bigger and start planning their time a little bit better because that's what they're gonna be doing when they get out. The other thing is, Travis, it's a lot of soft skills. And the soft skills, that recreation class, that exploring recreation resources was a perfect class for soft skills because these kids were smashed into a van together. We kind of looked like a termite mound by the time we came home. They were smashed in together for 24 hours a day for two weeks. So they either learn to deal with each other, they learn tolerance, and they had to learn communication, they had to learn patience, there was a lot of soft skills in that class. I think the thing that I'm the most passionate about because I work therapeutic a lot, I teach a class It used to be called Leisure Services for Special Populations. We've changed the name finally, hallelujah, because special populations is a label, don't want labels. So this class is now called inclusion in parks and recreation and sport. And that's really what we're talking about is how do you make everybody feel like they belong? So I define inclusion as belonging. Accessibility is I can get in the room, but if you're not gonna embrace me and allow me to be part of something, That's not inclusive. So, the students in that class learn to include everybody. They're going to meet people that they don't like. They're going to meet people with way different opinions, and they're going to have to learn to kind of deal with it. That's customer service. So, there's a lot of writing, reports, presenting, talking to people, those kind of things. I let the students talk and present to each other in class for a while and then when they get to my upper level classes they actually have to present to people where it makes a difference it's not their classmates anymore so you had your trials now you go out and do it so my therapeutic rec interventions with the elderly class is taught at parkdale care center they are now presenting to the residents not me and so They don't know it, but I prime them all the time. I prime the residents before we even start that class to allow the students to fail. If they come and they fail, let them fail. Don't save them. I want them to feel what it's like to not do well. And it usually only takes once. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they get it. But the residents are great. They've helped me a ton teach that class. And that's a good class.
0: Those all sound like super marketable skills. Sorry, Hannah, I keep cutting you oh, off. No. But, oh, I mean, no. I would think even if somebody, you know, goes through the parks and rec thing and then finds that that's not the field maybe for them, like everything you listed is what every employer we work with wants. Time management, okay. soft skills. Those are universal.
1: Yeah, I should probably tell you some of the jobs that our students have gotten now that they're out. So not everybody stays in parks and rec. Okay, we got that. I've got kids that went out and are insurance salesmen or insurance people. I've got kids that are working in banks. I had one student who was a horticulture major and a parks and rec minor, who's my buddy of all buddies. And he has worked his way up. He moved to Colorado. He's worked his way up where he just got the city planner job for the city of Buena Vista because he's got the horticulture background with the trees and the plants and everything. And he's got the parks and rec administration side of all of it. He is now the city planner for the whole city of Buena Vista, Colorado, which is a big deal. That's a big deal. I've got some kids that they like the sport stuff, but they wanted to make more money. So we've got students that are actually managers of Dick's Sporting Goods and some of the big sport stores. They are not just department heads, they're actually the manager of the whole store. I've got a student who graduated who is really on top of his game. He owns the Brown Shoe Fit in Columbia and runs that as a Parks and Rec major. We've also had kids get out that wanna do their own business. They don't wanna work for somebody, they wanna be their own person. I've got, shoot, a handful of kids that have gone out and started their own lawn care businesses and are making a bazillion dollars One guy who looks like the Duck Dynasty guys now, beard and scraggy hair, he got out and started a roofing company. And he's now living in this huge mansion with all these accoutrements. And he got it from Parks and Rec, where he got the grounding. We've had students that have gone through and done internships at Winter Park. So what people don't realize is that when the Americans with Disabilities Act got passed in 1990, every commercial recreation venue had to provide an adapted side so that all participants can can do it. So every ski area in Colorado has an adapted ski program. So we send our students out to be the interns for those programs. One of our kids got hired by Winter Park and she was there forever. She's now since followed a man and is gone, she was a ski instructor for Winter Park and stayed on in the summer to run camps and everything. It's pretty darn amazing where these kids end up. Really amazing. That's
2: an incredible variety of types of jobs and places.
1: It's business. It's just we're in the business of people's leisure and recreation. That's it.
0: Which is a huge industry. That's Gigantic. Yes.
1: It's second behind nuclear war in our country, really, is because by the time you get all the tourism and the equipment and everything that goes into leisure and recreation, we are literally second in GDP behind everybody else. And once the kids start realizing that there's a ton of money, the Colorado class was was really fun. After I had run it for a few years, I kind of anticipated things a little better. So I knew that on day three, every year, I'd have a student either really, really angry with me and shouting at me and mad at me, or I'd have them in tears in my hotel room because they didn't know there was so many options of what they could do with this three. And they were like, no, I don't know what to do. I'm just like, pick something, just pick something. You don't have to stay there for the rest of your life. Just where do you want to jump in the pool?
2: That's so funny because if I had to take like and sum up basically what career services in a nutshell, like e- somebody asked, like, what is the biggest piece of advice that I give? It's that. Yeah. Pick something.
1: Let's pick something. <laughs> it's, I also tell like, so when I used to teach university seminar, I can't now because my class is back up against it. But when I used to teach university sem, I always told the students, there's multiple ways to get through college. You can take the easy way where you take the easiest classes and don't really put your heart into it, whatever. But I said, it's like building a raft. You're gonna get the stuff to build your raft through your performance in your classes as you go through. So you could take the easy way and collect sticks and twine and all of this junk and put together a really flimsy raft Or you can work hard, challenge yourself, get really good equipment, put together a really sturdy raft. Either way, when you graduate and you walk across that stage, you climb onto that raft that you just built. And you're going to push it out into the river of life and it's going to go and you're going to hit rapids. So do you want to have a sturdy raft to get through the rapids or do you want to have one that's going to explode the first time you hit problems? So I challenge them to do their best. It's not about grades. I hate grades. I wish in the world we could just get rid of them. Because it's about challenging yourself to push harder than you did the day before. And to think outside of the box. I talk about controversial topics in my classes. I'm having students read a a book. I'm horrible. I'm one of those professors that makes them read. But... I've cut back, so because I want them to read, and I know students won't read, I literally have fifth-grade books for them to read. No pictures, fifth-grade books. But I've got one right now that's challenging them to think differently about the transgender thing and the mental health. It's about a little boy who wants to be a girl and his best friend who's got bipolar. So we talk about touchy subjects. You don't have to always believe me and you don't always have to go there, but I want you to think about why do I feel what I feel about this topic, and could you feel something different? And I teach them that we are physiologically programmed as human beings to notice differences. It's the saber-toothed tiger effect, but we don't have saber-toothed tigers in it. But that alarm still goes off when we notice something different. And so I'm trying to get them to not instantly react and judge, but to back up, think about it and discern whether there's an issue or not, and then move forward and look at the person before you look at the difference. And if I do anything in the time I at Northwest, that's the message I want everybody to hear is we are all different. We all carry different baggage and, you know, treat each other with respect as a person and we'll have a great, I'm i I'm an Aquarian. If I could have everybody play nice together, I would be so happy. <laughs> I thought that was
2: a great piece of advice to go out on. Absolutely. Right
1: <laughs> I just want everybody to be nice to each other. I don't do politics. I don't do the, competition crap i don't know i just we are all people be good human yeah
0: Yeah, be nice that's literally what that's all you got to do is be
1: nice Really, what it is is be nice i I give the students in that class uh, an assignment we watch the movie crash because it deals with stigma stereotypes prejudice discrimination and then i give them an assignment when they're walking down the sidewalk on campus with their friends wait till somebody passes them stop look at your friend and say you can't turn around tell me who just walked by, describe them. And 95% of the time, nobody's gonna be able to do that because we're not seeing each other. And that's part of, in my belief, that's part of the massive anxiety and depression we've got going on in college students is because we're not looking at each other. We're looking at people on a damn phone instead of looking who's right here with you. And so I'm trying to get my kids to put the damn phones down because phones are tools. It's a hammer. It's a screwdriver. It is not your lifeline. It is not keeping you alive. Any
2: final words for us? Any great uh, aphorisms?
1: Send kids to our recreation degree because parks and recreation is a discovery major and it is on every campus. Very rarely do we get students come to college going, I'm going to be a parks and rec major. They don't even know what we are. And so if you've got students that are struggling and they look like they're not hooking in and fitting really well, send them down and have them talk to me because we can get them hooked up. I will take a student, even if they're not interested in parts and Rec, I'll take a student and we'll talk. Just like we said, what makes you happy? What do you think you want to do? we will get them into the intro classes in all of those areas they think they're interested in. And then the next semester, they come back and tell me what they liked. And voila, we move them on. One girl I did that with, she took three different intro classes, figured out she wanted emergency disaster management. We changed her advisor, changed her major, and she was on her way. So send kids my way because we don't get very many kids anymore. And, it's really a good degree. It's a versatile degree. All right. Awesome. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Thank you so I much. I learned a lot.
1: <laughs> mm. there you go. Yeah. Send them from your office, too. <laughs> All right. Thanks, well, guys. Thank yeah, you so absolutely. much. You are more than welcome. Take care.
0: That will do it for another episode of Behind the Bear Cat, and we'll talk to you next time.